on air, online, on Twitter. Jennifer Campbell is always on. Unfiltered, opinionated, and ready to speak her mind at a moment's notice. This is the Jennifer Campbell Show on 570 News and Rogers TV Cable 20. Now, special guest host, Jeff Pickle. No, there ain't nothing that I gotta prove. You think your words will make me black and blue, but I... Good morning. Welcome to the Jennifer Campbell Show. Thanks for joining us here on 570 News and on Rogers Cable 20. Pleasure having you along on another gloomy, rainy day. We haven't had many this summer. You know what? Frankly, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with a little, a little breakup, a little rain, a little cloud. It's all right. We're having a busy morning in the 570 newsroom uh, just before, about uh, 40 minutes or so before coming on down the the hallway here to the talk studio. We were flooded with calls and information about that, what appears to be a house explosion or at least a garage explosion in the, in the west end of Kitchener in the uh, Highlands Road and... Uh, West West Heights Drive area. We looked out the window in our in our newsroom and saw this channel of black smoke billowing up in the sky. So we quickly sent uh, our reporter Fee Don there. He uh, is on scene. If you go over to Kitchener today, you can see some amazing pictures he took of that scene. The devastation is just huge. There was rarely do you see a column of black smoke like that coming up in the air and people have been calling us in saying they they live a couple hundred meters away even you know as far as a kilometer away and their house shook when when whatever it was that uh blew up you know exploded there and the pictures are are pretty pretty wild hopefully there's no uh no injuries or or anything like that involved but though of course stay tuned with 570 news and we'll let you know about that but it's it's pretty wild, and and just kind of around that time too, we thought there was some some thunder rolling in, which was weird because it wasn't really raining. And now we're wondering if that thunder that we heard here, which we're not too far away from that area, as I said, we could see it from our newsroom. What if that thunder was, in fact, the that explosion that that you know rocked and shook houses within you know kilometers of where that where that happened? So stay with us as we get more information in about what happened there. Of course, we'll we'll bring it to you, but otherwise, we have a. A great show to get to, of course, a little bit later on. There was a little bit of news south of the border. We're going to talk about what the Manafort verdict and the Cohen plea deal, what that means for President Trump. That's coming up at 930. But off the top, let's start a little bit closer to home locally right here in Waterloo Region in Cambridge. And it was a rare case of cooperation when it comes to developers and those trying to preserve the heritage of our towns and cities and appeal against the massive gaslight district 
at the old Southworks foundry in Cambridge has been dropped. That appeal no longer there. That paves the way for the project to move ahead. The Cambridge branch of the ACO, that's the Architectural Conservancy of Ontario, the local branch has dropped its appeal against hip development. And the two sides were able to work out agreement. From the sounds of that agreement, it appears both sides came out happy. And again, that gaslight district is the $125 million redevelopment of the old foundry that will feature two 20-story towers, retail space, and uh, office space at the bottom as well. Joining me on the program to talk about that uh, agreement and the drop of the appeal is Jeremy Hetherington. He's the president of the Cambridge branch of the Architectural Conservancy of Ontario. Jeremy, thank you for joining me. Uh, Thank you, Jeff, for inviting me to speak on behalf of ACO Cambridge and North Dumfries. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you along. It was uh, was an interesting case because so often, you know, as we hear, these uh, fights can potentially get a, a little bit ugly and sometimes uh, it, it doesn't work out as, as appearingly seamlessly as, as it has between your two groups. But maybe we can start with the beginning here. What was your initial concerns with the designs of the Gaslight District? Um, well, ACO has always welcomed the development of our city cores. Um, our members advocate for the conservation and the reuse of structures of architectural historic and cultural significance and this particular site has all three of those so we were concerned by the initial proposals um the city council was permitting exceptions to the existing height and bylaws so those were our original concerns so it was around the the height of the of those towers that were being built um did did it have anything to do with what was going to become of that the original Southworks Foundry building as well? Well, there was going to be some demolition done to the original buildings, and um, you know we feel the the complex of buildings uh, makes it an amazing uh, piece of our industrial past, and uh, it's very unique. And I think we were hoping to uh, keep as much of that secure as possible. And why was the the heights of the tower, the two towers there? They're both two of them planned to be uh, twenty stories high. Why was the why was the height an issue? Um, well, there were there was a, a, a bit of an issue more with uh, we tried to uh, put forward a case to reposition the towers, which would allow us to save more of the original buildings. Right. Um, there's also the impact on the skyline. Um, it was a decision that was made by city council. And, and you talked a little bit more, you talked about the building itself, the, the Southworks building, and, you know, it, it, dating about 120 or, or more years old. What is it about buildings of that variety that, that make them worthwhile and make them worth keeping? Well, it's a, a good example of our past. Um, it's it's uh, the start of industrialization in Galt. Um, it's a cluster of buildings, which makes it uh, very unique. Um, as far as we know, there's not that many of this type of site still um, in existence. And being made out of stone and, um, you know, it fits in really well with the uh, heritage aspects of downtown Galt. And so, as I mentioned, you guys were able to find uh, find some common ground here, find an appeal. How did that process begin? How did 
the when you initially began that appeal with hip development how did they respond to those to your concerns in your appeal um i think that question would be better put forward to hip developments um our efforts were focused on the goal of preservation oh. and it did appear at least again that you, you worked well together and you appear happy with the with the outcome how were you able to to do that and then to find that that happy medium when you are balancing two very um seemingly opposite end goals well we are very happy with the end uh, result. Um, I guess both parties have a lot in co- common. Uh, we believe that they were sincere in the desire to feature heritage aspects on the site, and we thought that we could work with them to show them ways to maybe change their design slightly to help save more of those buildings. Uh, we met several occasions, exchanged ideas. Uh, both parties worked well. Um, together in good faith. Uh, we met on site um, multiple times with a, a variety of experts um, uh, and all um, to help us get a, a better vision of uh, this one-of-a-kind site. And the members from HIP Development said that they believe that the the site now, the development now, is better off for going through that process than it was before they that the, the appeal was launched and before they were working with you. How were how were you able to to make the make the designs better? Um, well, a, a number of things. There's, I guess, more of the original buildings are being retained. Um, uh, the addition of um, a really great new streetscape uh, with artists' studios and retail shops is fantastic. Um, I think people are going to love it um, on the ground level. They're going to see, you know, that they're going to get a feeling of the. Uh, sense of place uh, of the, the old structures still being intact. It's going to be really nice. And you mentioned off the top that you are your, you and your group, the ACO, is in favor of the, the redevelopment and the revitalization, revitalization of, uh, of the city of Cambridge. Yet, you know, you, you still try to do that and preserve as much as you can. How do you manage that balance? Again, because they are sometimes uh, directly opposed to each other. How do, you, how do you try to manage that balance and, and keep um, both, both aims that you have, you know, in, in perspective? Um, it's difficult, but um, we, you know, we just keep for- forging ahead. Um, we've, we're a good think tank. I guess we get we have a lot of people involved to get a lot of ideas out there, and um, we were lucky. Hip was um, responsive to uh, our, our our issues, and we managed to uh, come up with a really good uh, settlement. I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it seems like one of those one of those good stories that again, I don't think we often hear a whole lot about when when it becomes to development and, and those uh, appealing those developments. But again, uh, I guess great work on behalf of both sides of this uh, of this uh, appeal to get things done and, and and have I guess a project that's better than it was when it began. Yep, that's great. All right, Thanks. awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me this morning, Jeremy. Okay, thank you. All right, have a good one. That, again, is Jeremy Hetherington. He is the president of the ACO Ontario. Good to hear some some of those good news stories. We hear there's obviously a lot of developments going on through Waterloo Region. A ton of things happening, and a lot of times you don't hear those, hey, both sides are happy with, with what they were able to do. A lot of time you hear just the developers happy, 
that seems to be the way things go, but it it looks like there was some real common ground found. And and it's really interesting about that case is that from the development side, from HIP, the uh, development group, they say, yes, this project is better now because we went to this this pro uh, this this process, and because we talked with this group, that we actually have a better product now than we did before. So it's kind of cool to hear, and maybe uh, a lesson for future developments that, that it's not all bad. Kind of going through these, uh, having these appeals, and a little bit of a little bit of conflict and a little bit of pressure might make the situation better. All right, we're going to go to a break in just a moment here, but before we do that, the topic I want to talk about next. Coming into work the last few days, it's been a little cooler, a little rainy. People have been throwing jackets on it. Had at least one person here say that they can't wait for fall because, hey, a little bit of cooler weather. You get to wear that that fall lineup of fashion, the sweaters that people love. Or do you want to soak up every ounce of sunshine and warmth and just keep pushing fall back further and further. There's two sides of this debate. Curious about what you think. Are you waiting for fall? Are you are you saying give me as much summer as we possibly can have? Or are you saying bring it on? Pumpkin spice, everything. Here we go. Okay. The phone lines will be open. 519-570-2545, star 570 or 570 5715. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more of the Jennifer Campbell Show right after this. When extreme weather hits, count on the 570 Extreme Weather Center. And we're back with the Jennifer Campbell Show here on 570 News. And thanks for tuning in if you're watching on Rogers Cable 20. We're still monitoring that situation on uh, Spruce Dale Crescent and Blackwell Drive. That's in the West Heights and Highland Road area of Kitchener. Uh, Something blew up over there. A garage or a home. Reports of a large explosion and then then fire and and thick black smoke coming out of that house. Uh, We still don't know any reports on injuries, but... We have seen from Kitchener Fire that three houses ended up being uh, involved in that fire. Uh, One of them certainly uh, appears to be completely devastated. Again, it looks like at least the the garage being being blown off, blown on, and we'll just wait to, to see if indeed there is a case where there are injuries involved? Uh, hopefully not. So we'll keep you posted on that as soon as we find out any information there. Before the break, I mentioned how this is the f- really the first couple days in a long time where we've had some weather that where I wouldn't quite say chilly. I just say it's not scorching. It's been a hot, scorching summer. It took a little little longer to to make it to summer, but once we did. It's been a hot one. Love it or hate it, it's been warm. And in these last couple of days, a little bit of rain, well, a lot of rain, some gray, some overclass, a little cooler. And at least one person I spoke with today said they were happy. They were, it was good. 
They got to wear a jacket to work. They hadn't been able to wear a jacket. Maybe they bought one new in spring. I don't know. They were waiting to wear this new jacket, and finally they got to wear a jacket into work. People love fall clothing. I don't know. Is it just a comfort thing? It's just like, I don't know what it is, but people love fall clothing. People love when it's time to wear sweaters, which I can get. It's like a big... It's a big hug that you just wear around all day. But is that enough for you to want to bring on fall? Are you on the bring on the fall season camp? Or do you want to ring every last minute out of summer? Curious about your thoughts. 519-570-2545. Myself, I... I think I think you got to go you got to get every last little bit out of summer. Because if it gets cool too early then you jump into that hating winter, hating cold weather part earlier again and then it's just a longer wait till spring. So I say we don't get that many weeks months a year of warm weather. And sure, after a couple of weeks of of scorching temperatures, you may think that this is a nice little break. And I agree, nice little break. That's good. But let's get back to at least like the end of of September. Let's have it above 20, at least till the end of September. And then maybe let's let's roll in and we can get the sweater weather. That's where I sit on it. Again, I I know uh, when I was speaking to uh, James a little earlier in the day, he said he's full on bring on the fall. He used a little stronger language when he, when he said it, but he did say, bring on the fall. That's where I land because I can wear my favorite clothing, sweatshirts and hoodies. But James is a full on winter guy. That's where he had, um, Deanna is uh, technical producing today. Where, where do you fall on the, are you done with summer? Are you over with it? Do you want to ring out every last bit of summer or are you ready for the fall season? I much prefer fall. It's one of my favorite seasons. Summer, I do enjoy the heat, especially with the cold winters we've had, um, but I'm definitely a fall person. The beautiful colors, you get the comfy sweaters, definitely fall. Yeah, and I get that. Fall is great. It falls excitement too because you know, you, you, you brought back memories of starting school again and you know, it's kind of, uh, the, it, things just pick up. Summer by the end, it gets a little slow. The hot, lazy days of summer, you know, around here as well. People are on vacation, so it's a, things are a little slower. Then you come September, and, and in the radio business, nonetheless, it's like things are, things are moving again. There's kind of a new life almost. Yeah, no, it's true. Plus, you, it's Halloween. I don't know. Halloween's, Halloween's good. So. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Yep. And there is. It's a, it's a whole new taste complexion there. I, I don't jump on the, the pumpkin spice train. I'm not, you know, some people go absolutely crazy for, for pumpkin spice everything. I'm not there. I do love pumpkin pie, but I mean, if you are someone who's into, you know, flavored coffee by season, fall has to be, I guess, in the in the in the top as far as that goes. I would agree. Yeah, I like pumpkin spice, but not everything. Yeah, yeah. it's it's too much. It is too, it's much. too much of it. People people go crazy for pumpkin spice. I get it. It's good, but it's not that good. Like cinnamon's better. Like there's better. Like vanilla's better. There's a lot of better 
flavors than pumpkin spice. Maybe that's how I should have started this segment because I feel like a lot of those those pumpkin spice fanatics out there, I feel like that would get them fired up, and then then the calls might have been rolling in. You got to start with going right for the jugular, which is criticizing pumpkin spice. But hey, I guess no one cares. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I think it's because everyone's completely fine with bringing in summer for as long as they can. Okay, we're going to have to go to a break in just a second. But yes, after the break, the big news of the day, of the week, of the month, potentially of the year, August the 21st, that being yesterday, could go down as one of the the biggest, most monumental days in American politics, recent history, maybe. Am I overblowing it? Possibly. But it was a big day. We're going to chat about what happened in the Manafort and Cohen uh, trial and plea deal. We're going to chat about that right after the break. Making your smart speaker even smarter. Alexa, play 570 News. Playing 570 News. Now, special guest host, Jeff Pickle. morning. Welcome back to the Jennifer Campbell Show. Yesterday, uh, quite a day in the news business. Although it's kind of a, a mixed blessing for myself working in the morning shift that, you know, when I went home, the world was still running as usual. Just another day. And then a few hours after getting home is when everything uh, seemed to explode. And if you're on social media and you're on Twitter and you're not into American politics, then there was really nothing for you yesterday. That's all it was. There was nothing else happening except for the the avalanche the cascading stories and updates and constant constant fallout from the uh, the bombshells that were dropped yesterday and I want to take a couple minutes this morning to talk about that and maybe dive a little deeper into the implications of, of what we saw yesterday safe to say it was one of the biggest days in American politics since the 2016 U.S. election. We knew that a verdict in the Paul Manafort case was coming down, but then another bombshell, Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, takes a plea deal to eight criminal counts, and most significant, significantly, easy for me to say, Cohen implicates that he had acted at the request of Trump saying he had made payments to inf- influence the 2016 election at the direction of a candidate for federal office. The news got worse for Trump. One of his earliest supporters of Congress, Duncan Hunter, had been indicted for allegedly using campaign funds for personal expenses. On a normal day, any one of those stories would grab the headlines, but it all happened on one day, and what a day it was. Uh, Here with me to help go a little bit deeper into what happened yesterday is Adrian Morrow, a U.S. correspondent with The Globe and Mail. Adrian, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So it was uh, hard, hard to even know where to begin. It was a, a pretty 
monstrous day as far as news coming from south of the border. Uh, you know, where should we begin? To you, what's what's the biggest takeaway from from what we saw yesterday? I think I think the most significant thing that happened yesterday was the the conviction of Paul Manafort on on eight uh, you know tax evasion and, and bank fraud charges um, and and the reason that's significant is because you know this is sort of the first big victory for uh, Robert Mueller's uh, investigation into the into the Trump campaign and uh, and basically you know the and the things that Manafort was convicted for were not you know directly related to Trump or to the, the 2016 election they're basically things that um, that Mueller uncovered you know while he was looking into Manafort you know as as part of uh, of Trump's entourage um, but it's significant in the sense that it's sort of gives, you know, it gives, um, you know, Mueller and, and his, um, uh, you know, people who support his investigation sort of reason to argue that, um, you know, that his investigation is serious, that it's actually turning up, you know, actual crimes and, uh, and it's, you know, and, it, and it's, it's getting, you know, it's getting convictions um, and that it's not, uh, you know, a partisan witch hunt as, uh, as Trump is trying to, to frame it as. So it's sort of significant in that sense. And I think it's also significant in what it tells us about, you know, how wide a net that Mueller is casting, because you know the fact that he basically, you know, was was investigating uh, you know, election hacking and uh, was you know and, uh, and uncovered these sort of unrelated, um, you know, tax evasion crimes, but went ahead and charged them anyway, and, uh, and you know, and secured a big conviction on them. I think gives you an idea of, of you know, the, the, the Mueller is a thorough guy, and he's basically going to pursue anything he finds. And so I think that you know the implication there for Trump is that you know if Mueller is invest, you know, is investigating him for obstruction of justice and. Um, uh, and, and Russian collusion, um, that, that he may not necessarily even have to find either of those to uh, to write a, a damning report to Congress or to, to bring, you know, more charges uh, to, to the Trump organization if he finds, you know, a financial crime or something like that, that, you know, that that may be sort of uh, enough for Mueller to... Um, you know, to to, uh, to to go after the president. So I think I think that was sort of the most significant of the of the developments yesterday. And that I think it really showed that the Mueller is serious, Mueller is thorough, and uh, and he's really looking into sort of all aspects of uh, of Trump and, and his circle. Yeah, and it absolutely was uh, pretty huge, as as mentioned. I mean, it was uh, massive to see the man who was in charge of the the campaign to go down for these you know, massive charges and maybe not directly linking Trump to collusion and some of the, you know, kind of the, the, the main prize here with the, the Mueller investigation, but certainly linking with uh, some, some rather shady I- individuals. I, I just get the sense the way that Trump was, did talk about the Manafort uh, verdict and he didn't touch the Cohen stuff very much simply because he can, he can then just say, well, it's not collusion. Anything they find doesn't touch me. He can still put a, he can still separate himself from that. He can still put a divider between himself and Mueller by saying, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't involve me. And while it may be a victory, it's, it's not something that necessarily hurts Trump. Yeah, that, that was sort of part of what he said yesterday. But but I, what I found surprising was that he sort of uh, he didn't stop there. That he actually went, you know, kind of expressed support for Paul Manafort. Yeah. That he said that even this morning on Twitter, he was talking about you know how uh, how he had a lot of respect for you know for Manafort's bravery and standing up to these charges. And and, and that was that was a little bit um, you know a little bit surprising. I mean, imagine a president of the United States basically saying this guy because you know let's remember what Manafort did. I mean, he um, he made uh, you know some sixty million dollars uh, off of uh, consulting for um, the the former autocratic president of Ukraine and then a bunch 
bunch of oligarchs. And then he, um, you know, hid a bunch of that money in these offshore tax havens and essentially cheated the U.S. government out of, you know, these massive amounts of tax. Um, and he brought, you know, illegally sort of brought the money into the country, uh, you know, without paying tax on it. And, uh, and then, and then on top of that, he defrauded these banks, um, you know, got these, uh, bank loans under fraudulent pretenses. So, you know, imagine the President of the United States basically saying, you know, that I respect the bravery of a guy who did all of this stuff, you know, who cheated the U.S. government out of all of this money, you know, and, uh, and ripped off these banks, whatever. And I admire his bravery. I mean, that, that was a very sort of exceptional thing for, for Trump to do. And so, you know, I mean, maybe part of it is that he legitimately doesn't believe that Manafort did anything wrong, that he thinks, you know, tax evasion is totally fine. Um, you know, but there may also be something strategic there where he's thinking, you know, now that Manafort is convicted, the leverage that Mueller, you know, presumably has over him, uh, you know, could, could, could only increase. And there's, you know, at least some slight possibility that someone like Manafort may decide, you know, okay, I want a, a lighter sentence than what I've gotten so far. So maybe then, you know, I want, um, uh, I want lighter treatment from Mueller than I've gotten so far. So maybe if I cooperate or I, or I, you know, volunteer to help the investigation, that he'll, you know, he'll sort of ask the judge to go, uh, to go easy on me. So, so it's possible that that's sort of part of, you know, what, what Trump is, is thinking as well, that he sort of wants to, wants, wants Manafort to, to sort of stay, um, you know, to stay loyal and, and not to uh, not to buckle under Mueller's pressure, but but I found I found that sort of reaction from Trump to be very surprising because yeah, as you say, the first part was sort of expected, or where you know Trump is kind of distancing himself and saying, reminding everybody that you know the the crimes that Manafort was convicted for you know, have nothing to do with his campaign. Um, but the second part I thought was much more unusual. You know, to hear a president of the United States basically you know, almost cheering on a guy who's uh, who's been convicted of some pretty serious financial crimes. Absolutely, and it goes to another thing that we saw, which was which was weird as well, and you know supporting a guy who just got charged and convicted or and uh, and, and had a, a verdict passed down on these charges and also he was a little bit early on i think before some of this news broke and they were talking about the the one of trump's uh, lawyers the inside counsel how he was talking with the Mueller investigation and he was saying he you know he's not a rat like is it john dean the the lawyer who eventually turned on on richard nixon and saying you know he's not a rat like dean and maybe my perspective perspective of history is a little skewed but dean would uh, presumably the guy who helped bring down Nixon would have been seen as, you know, the good guy in the situation. But again, I guess being called the rat for bringing down what, you know, had been brought up to be, you know, the worst president in the United States. It also seemed like one of those weird situations where he's supporting a guy who's just done really bad. And then he's slamming a guy who, who seemingly stood up to do something good in, in that situation. Yeah, I mean, loyalty is everything to Donald Trump. And uh, yeah, as you say, I mean, to, to, to frame somebody who, um, you know, as, as being a rat or being a bad guy for cooperating with, uh, you know, with, a, with an investigation like Watergate, which was, you know, obviously a, a very necessary thing that uncovered some, some pretty serious wrongdoing on the part of a, of a U.S. president. Um, you know, it's, it's simply bizarre, but I think it, it does give you some insight into how Trump thinks. But to him, you know, loyalty is what matters. And so more than anything else, you know, he wants um, not necessarily loyalty from Trump to, you know, people around him, but certainly to Trump, you know, he wants loyalty from 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 everybody that's you know that, that, that's with him and so i think that's his uh that that's sort of his his thinking and i think you can kind of see you know the, the way that he treats any of these people you know through that prism right where you know the, the things that he was saying about manafort yesterday probably came in large part of the fact that he um you know, uh, he appreciates the guy's loyalty that Manafort never, you know, never sort of turned on him or said, okay, I'll, I'll cooperate with Mueller's investigation uh, in exchange for a lighter sentence. Um, but then conversely, you know, the, the way that he's looking at he's on, on Twitter just now, so talking about, uh, about Cohen and saying, you know, if you need a good lawyer, don't hire this guy. And, uh, you know, purely because, um, you know, because Cohen, uh, Cohen flipped and, you know, 
um, and is trying to implicate Trump now in uh, in some election, um, uh, you know, in breaking election laws. So I think that I think that gives you an idea how how Trump thinks, this, how how he sees the world, and and the kind of values that he holds. You know, I mean, to him, I think loyalty is probably more important. You know, he values other people being loyal to him, you know, more than he probably values you know just about anything else. Yeah, it's a it's a bizarre situation. And you mentioned Cohen a couple of times. Let's talk about what happened there, because I would have thought that that was, um, you know, at least perceived to be the big thing of the day because of that direct implication of the president into some wrongdoing in the election and and the amount of headlines that the Stormy Daniels uh, situation brought on and, and then finally revealing that, you know, that was something done with the intent of influence in an election. Maybe you can take us through what the implications of the Cohen plea will mean. Yeah, so basically what he what he pleaded, I mean, he pleaded guilty to a bunch of stuff because they you know, uncovered some other um, uh, some other tax related stuff while they were investigating him. But the but the major yeah the major stuff was uh, was he pleaded guilty to, to breaking election laws by arranging payments to um, a couple of women. And uh, you know they, they didn't name they didn't name the women or the the presidential candidate in court. But but you know just looking at the details, it's, it's fairly obvious that it was um, uh, that the people involved were um, Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, who both. Uh, um, both say that they had uh, extramarital affairs with with Trump um, about ten years ago, more than ten years ago, and so basically, what yeah, what, what Cohen admitted to is that he that he arranged these payments to uh, to these two women, um, and that he did it explicitly because he wanted to buy their silence before the 2016 election. And on top of that, he said that he did it, um, you know, in, in concert with Trump. That he basically you know did it on on Trump's instructions. You know, made these uh, these payments happen. And so the reason that that's that's illegal is because it would count as a campaign contribution, essentially, if you're spending money um, to, you know, for the purpose of influencing the election. And they never disclosed this. You know, they never, um, uh, you know, they, they never disclosed that uh, that they were spending money to, you know, to pay people off, I guess, to um, ahead of the election. And, uh, and, and, and it also violates some, some, you know, campaign finance contribution limits. So that's, that's basically the, you know, what, what he did, um, you know, legally. You know, interestingly enough, the fact that Trump, you know, was not indicted, that he's not sort of explicitly named in court, and even the prosecutors, I think, were very careful yesterday not to, um, you know, not to say too much about him, you know, makes it sort of hard to, hard to interpret exactly how far this goes for Trump. You know, if this is kind of a discrete thing where, you know, Cohen is going to, um, you know, get a sentence, you know, be sentenced, you know, serve his time, and then that's it. Or if, you know, this could actually lead to, you know, to, to, to something to something beyond that. Um, you know, I, I always sort of felt that the biggest risk to Trump of Michael Cohen being, you know, caught up in all this was, you know, sort of went beyond uh, the Stormy Daniels stuff. And it, it probably had more to do with the fact that, you know, he was Trump's lawyer and, and uh, a lawyer for the Trump organization for more than 10 years. And so if Mueller is really intent on looking into, you know, financial transactions and some of the things that the Trump, you know, organization has done and, uh, and you know, whether it's even part of the the, uh, the the question of Russian collusion or not, I mean, he's interested in looking at sort of the financial side of the Trump organization. You know, Michael Cohen is someone who would obviously know a lot about that, and, uh, and so I sort of figured that you know he might have that this this sort of thing might give um, uh, you know might give Mueller might give others leverage over over Cohen to try to get him to, to talk about um, you know what's going on inside the Trump organization. Interestingly enough, though, Cohen you know as part of his plea deal with prosecutors. There was no um, sort of cooperation clause. Like he basically just pleaded guilty to these, um, you know, to, to, to these offenses, and um, and that's it. There wasn't sort of a, a proviso in there, as there has been with other, you know, other people in the um, 
uh, who pleaded guilty in, uh, in, in recent months, um, that, that he would then have to help the help investigators. Um, so, you know, so it's sort of an open question, I think. You know, like, I think it's entirely possible that this all ends up just being a sideshow where, you know, Cohen is convicted, he does his time. You know, it's certainly embarrassing for Donald Trump that, um, you know, that his, his own personal lawyer is saying that we, we you know, organize this, um, these payments to these um, uh, to these women ahead of the election. Um, but it's entirely possible that there, that there are no sort of further consequences for Trump. Um, that said, though, who knows? I mean, it's possible that there's more, you know, there's more going on behind the scenes that, that we don't know about, and that, um, and that ultimately, you know, the fact that Michael Cohen has been kind of ensnared by the justice system does mean that, you know, that he gives up information uh, at some point, um, you know, about, uh, about Trump or, or his business practices. Yeah, it, it would be it would be hard to believe that this is kind of all we all we hear about this, and, and you would lead to believe that there's there's more things to come. And Adrian, I want to ask you, and I know you know we're kind of talking about uncharted waters here. Anytime we we talk about what's to come in the Trump era of politics, because uh, nothing really seems to work in the way it did uh, with any previous presidents, as far as how it might affect them on the political side of things. But early on, what do you? think this means politically is this a turning point that that a lot of people that a lot of his detractors have been waiting for and maybe eroding some of that if not hardcore support but at least some of those soft republicans who who may be able to turn will this have some is this going to be a story that has a, a big political consequence yeah, entirely possible. I mean, I think the fact that you've got these, you know, these two guys who were, were close to Trump, um, you know, Cohen particularly, you know, worked for Trump for more than 10 years and, um, you know, and, and even Manafort, you know, was running his campaign for a few months. The fact that you've got people who are this close to the president and uh, who had his trust, and in the case of Manafort, apparently still does have his, his trust and confidence, um, you know, that are convicted of these, uh, of these, of these offenses. I think, I think that that, that certainly, you know, that certainly looks, looks bad on Trump. You know, the fact that he would, um, that he'd be associated with, with somebody like Manafort, you know, that he would, would basically defend a guy like Manafort, you know, even after he was, you know, convicted of a uh, pretty serious tax evasion. Um, you know, and, and the fact that, um, that, that, you know, according to Cohen, you know, he and Trump sort of work together to, uh, to, to try to, to improperly influence the election with these, uh, these payoffs. I don't think any of it looks good on Trump. And I think, I think there is certainly the possibility that you could see, you know, some of that kind of moderate, because there's a lot of, quite a few, you know, other moderate or sort of center-right um, you know, Republican voters who sort of held their noses and voted for Trump in 2016 purely because, you know, even if they didn't particularly like the guy, they thought, you know, at least he's better than the Democrats. And so I think there is po- it's possible that, that a lot of those voters just won't bother voting at all in the, in the midterms or, you know, vote for third party candidates or, or what have you. And so I think, I think that, that certainly, um, you know, it certainly has an effect probably on that, uh, that segment of the, of the voting public. Um, you know, more broadly, I think it gives, you know, that the Manafort conviction gives a lot more credence to, uh, to Mueller's probe. And I think it, it gives him. I think it, it gives him and, and, and people who support his probe sort of an argument to say that, that this is serious and this is real, and uh, he really is sort of chasing important stuff. And sort of he needs the, you know, needs the um, the, the time, I guess, to kind of uh, to get it done. Um, you know, but whether we will and and you know whether whether we will see um, you know anything sort of further come out of him, I think is, is kind of to be determined. Um, you know, I suspect given you know the the thoroughness we've seen kind of so far from Mueller's investigators, I suspect there probably is more. Um, but, but, you know, how high up it goes or whether it gets close to Trump or it's sort of just more kind of figures in his orbit, I think, is uh, that, that really remains to be seen. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right there when it's uh, to be determined, I think was the word you used. And I think that's what uh, we're, we're left with a lot when it comes to uh, this presidency and how kind of things will unfold. But I, I thank you for taking the time to chat with us about this. Uh, it's uh, obviously captivated a lot of our attention. And I guess we'll just have to hold on for the rest of the ride and see, see where it goes. 
<laughs> thanks for having me. Okay, thanks again. Uh, Adrian Morrow, he is a columnist with the Globe and Mail covering American politics. Interesting stuff. Very interesting there to hear Adrian say that he thought the Manafort side of the equation was bigger than the Cohen side. I'd certainly thought the the Cohen side was, was big, coincide coincides. The Cohen side of the equation was a little bit bigger just because of those direct implications it has with Trump saying he acted on behalf of and it, and it uses the the at the direction of a candidate for federal office. So at the at the direction of candidate Trump to do something to influence the 2016 election. So paying off a porn star a couple of weeks before an election that's big to me that that's the bigger news but again the side that uh, moral put to it was that it's it's more on the fact that this gives more credence to the Mueller investigation okay we ran a little bit long there we will have phone lines open for just a little bit if you want to get your comments in on this subject we'll go to a break we'll be back right after this take flight with Canada's team I want to fly follow the Toronto Blue Jays through all 162 that's Every walk-off hit, every game-saving catch, every heart-pounding strikeout. 570 News, your home for Toronto Blue Jays baseball. All right, we're back with the Jennifer Campbell Show. Sorry, ran a little bit late there. But American politics will do that to you. There's so much to talk about. There's so many weeds to wade through if that is the expression so many bombshells dropped yesterday it's tough to get through them all certainly some some big implications there okay we do have uh a few minutes for a call here we have rob on the line rob what are your thoughts hey jeff hey how are you doing not bad uh what's the big deal with stormy uh, stormy daniels i mean uh it was before he was a president Correct. So, uh, what's the big deal? Well, he was married at the time, I guess, is, is part of the deal. And then the other, I guess, deal of this is is that he paid $130,000, which would be a, a campaign expense because he paid it as hush money. So the big deal, I guess, in this case, in the legal case, is that he, he illegally paid hush money as a campaign expense so you this. hush money where other politicians just buy their, their mistresses and everything, uh, jewelry and perfumes. Well, and I mean, okay. that's, I mean, that like you, that's, <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I mean, they don't get caught, I guess. I mean, we, we let our prime minister, our, our coconut groper go with three <laughs> shows and nobody's bugged them since. But we've been on Stormy Daniels for years now. Well, we haven't been on it for years now. It's been a couple months, but a point taken. No, that, we found out uh, during the election that, that uh, this was going on. Yeah, and I take your point, Rob, and I, and I appreciate that, that uh, maybe every politician is doing this, and it's nothing to, nothing to get worked up about, which name me a politician who didn't have an affair with a porn star, and, and who's not. It's, it's the cover-up. It's always the cover-up. That's what brought Nixon down. It's the cover-up. It's paying the... And there's two cases here. It's Stormy Daniels and there's the, the Playboy model as well. Karen McDougal, I believe is her name. There's two cases of this. It was paid 
with the purpose of influencing an election. That's what the charge is. So an illegal payment to influence an election, that's what the big deal is. Okay? Yeah, it's salacious because it is because it is a porn star, because it is a Playboy model. That's the salacious element of this. But the very real legal part of this is that this was there was a cover up. There was a the willingness to to influence election and that cover up came at the request of the then candidate now president. So that's why it's important. Not saying that other politicians aren't doing dirty deeds as well. Okay. There's no one saying sure. I mean, Rob's comment that, that they all have mistresses or whatever it may be. I don't know. I guess they're, they're not proven certainly like the ones that, that are. So it's hard to, you know, really fully buy that comment, but that's what the big deal is. And man, it's fun to talk about. And man, I wish we had more time to do it, but we don't. But I have a feeling that in a couple of minutes on the Mike Farwell show, they may be discussing some of these very similar issues. So you can get it with them. That's it for the Jennifer Campbell show. Thanks for listening.